Informative. Educational. Objective. Inclusive. Comprehensive. This is Progress Report. Updates and conversations from the Government Information Service. Good day and welcome to another episode of Progress Report. My name is Ivan Khan. This is my lovely co-host, Gleniva Hajj. And we have with us in studio today the Honorable Premier, Minister of Finance, Minister of Health, Minister of Economic Development, Dr. Ellis Lorenzo Webster. We have a lot to unpack today, so much so that we've removed the table. It can't all fit on the table. There's so much going on in Angola. This has been a long time coming. And we're going to get deep into it. It's November. Yeah. We have a lot going on in November. If you haven't um, started as yet, we're only, what, a few days in. There's still time to join the No Shave November. Mm-hmm. Like yes, the previous, yes. myself yes. and all the other ministers. <laughs> you're growing out your beards and your mustache to bring awareness to men's mental health issues. We have the March Against Gender-Based Violence coming up. Yes. We have... Reality versus mentality, yes, it's which a, it's is a, a, it's a packed, it's a packed month. month. I think that's on the 19th of November. That's on the 19th of November. There's so much going on, but there's so much more to talk about with the Honorable Premier. So we're going to deep dive. Like, yes. I, hope, I, hope, I, hope, I hope you you gentlemen are not just not shaving, but also donating, donating that yes, money yes. that you would have saved at the barber. Barbers, they'll be back. Yes. Barbers will be back. And they still have to do their shape ups. So I'm, 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 hoping, I'm hoping that you're also donating that money yes. to the gender affairs unit. Yes, you literally just walk into gender yep. affairs and you could go like you're paying the barber. And if you tip your barber, tip gender affairs. Too. That's right. And this money goes towards <laughs> mental health awareness, men, fighting mental health in men's issues, whatever programs they have coming out of that. Yep. All right. So since we're talking about mental health, I think we should start with health. What do you want to start with? Yeah, let's, let's, start, let's start there. Let's start with health. Premium. <laughs> yes. Um, health. There's so much going on. I am privy to a bit of information. I mean, but let's just ask the rolling questions out there. We see the new dialysis unit coming along. Yes. Um, when is plans to move into that? Well, you know, we had a little bit of a slowdown, uh-huh. but uh, we're getting there. We, we're getting there. We already got uh, funding to equip it with some okay. new dialysis units okay and you know certainly you know kidney health is um that is getting worse in anguilla yes. as one of the um, you know chronic non-communicable diseases yes. and then you know we had covid and so everything got turned to trying to save lives uh-huh. and livelihoods and so we dr- fell back a little on the um, ncds but we're picking back up, definitely, and mm-hmm. we're making sure that we can uh, take care of the people there. Okay. Just want to talk a little bit about the mental health and suicide okay. prevention, which it is the no shave, you know. And yes. so you may see a little uh, fuzz <laughs> around my face, you know. It's <laughs> I, I noticed <laughs> a new look when I walked in. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, I say it's the James Bond, Sean Connery look. Oh yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah, <laughs> but um, you know what scared me though? Uh huh is a couple of years back, I learned that um, the stats show that one out of every five students at the high school had contemplated uh, committing suicide. Yes. yes. And that really scared me for a small population where we have so much support systems, we thought, yes. you know, mm-hmm. the church, the community, yes. parents, family members, and that one. And, and so, so that's why I decided that, you know, we need to bring this awareness. Mental health is very... Um, important uh, yes. and sometimes we 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 kind of look at the the physical health mm-hmm. uh, as being more important but mental health is, yeah. is, is has to be taken seriously yeah. you see people walking around who mm-hmm. you know have some issues uh, with that mm-hmm. and and also uh, one of the things in health that we have done is we budgeted for a psychiatrists we want to have a resident psychiatrist in oh, Angola lovely. Lovely. Uh, because we feel it's necessary that we can um, 
have someone here on the ground because right now it's done virtually. You know, right. there's a psychiatrist. Uh, there was an Antigua before now in the BVI, and that's where we get our um, psychiatric care. And I think that that in this day and age, in 2022, we need to have a resident psychiatrist. So quickly, because I yeah. know you're going to yeah, jump go right here. Um, <laughs> when will that person be on island? Well, we've been recruiting now since okay. um, so the beginning of the year, so we haven't found one who has, um, you know, accepted the job as yet. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, psychiatrists now are very rare. That's it's, true. It's, mm-hmm. We're trying all over, uh, you know, the U.K., the U.S., the mm-hmm. rest of the Caribbean, we're finding that the psychiatrists are in high demand. Yes. And so we've been, uh, we've been looking. Mm-hmm. And we've even gone outside of the region, you know, towards India and things like that. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it would be good to find someone who understands the culture oh, and yeah. the psyche of the people yeah. and the region. And so that, that, that is where we're concentrating. But okay. at this point in time, we need somebody competent who can be here to uh, take care of our people. Yes. As, as we speak about having a resident psychiatrist, um, what is the current status of the psychiatric ward at the hospital because I think there was some shifting when we had COVID and the COVID ward became mm-hmm. into this. So what is the current status of the psychiatric yes. ward? <clears throat> so what, what we did uh, and what was done is this psychiatric ward was essentially cut in half right. okay. and so half was maintained um, for psychiatric patients, and the other half was converted into the isolation unit. So we had uh, 10 beds mm-hmm. in there, and uh, that is still the case, um, although the the goal is that the, with the dialysis unit now being constructed, mm-hmm. that the rest of that would be converted into an isolation unit. Okay. And then we will um, reconfigure this full psych- psychiatric ward back into, into mental health. We'll upgrade it and make sure that we cater for um, those patients who who have uh, mental health issues. Okay, that's excellent. Well, while I, I took some pictures recently, I saw that the pad for the MRI machine is poured and ready. That's correct. Um, what's the update there? So, and uh, we... You know, with the Richard Schultz uh, Family Foundation, mm-hmm. which they own Aurora, mm-hmm. um, donated an MRI machine. And the MRI, MRI machine is in Dallas, Texas. It's um, upgraded. It's ready to come. It's been ready for a while, right. but we had some shipping issues. Okay. One is it has to be, it's 58 feet in a container. Mm-hmm. And because of the delicate nature of it, it has to be rolled onto a ship. It can't be lifted like a usual container is lifted and put on and lifted off. So that's a roll-on, roll-off. And uh, that took us a while um, with the help of uh, Ms. Sheila Haskins at Tropical to find a ship that can do that. There's a ship coming out of Jacksonville that goes to Puerto Rico that would be able to do that. Um, Everything was set, and then Hurricane Ian came, and that slowed down the process of getting into Jacksonville, Florida. But now we're looking at about mid-December okay. uh, to get that to happen. It'll be rolled onto the ship, taken to Puerto Rico, rolled onto a barge, and then brought uh, to Anguilla. And then and so that, that is the plan okay. to get it here. But the pad is done. and yes. uh, The pad was also um, paid for by um, Richard Schultz uh, Family Foundation. And um, the electrical works, which cost... They are over fifty thousand U.S. Yes. dollars just to put in an electrical connection. Yes, uh, but because of this delicate machine, it had to be a special one that was done by Rogers Electric, and that uh, was paid for by Robert Sheamus. Okay. He is uh, the, was a visitor to Anguilla, has a villa down at uh, Four Seasons, okay. and so yeah, actually he should have been coming in town today. You know, okay. so so. We thank him. We All thank right. everybody who has contributed who, and who will um, contribute to get the MRI machine here. That's we also great. have um, a, a promised donation from um, Gary and Connie Sharp. Okay. Uh, they've been coming to Anguilla for a while. They help with a CT scanner that's there. They are helping us um, with some of the storage fees and to top up the helium, which is necessary. Uh, for the mission, for the MRI, MRI machine. machine. Yeah. Okay, so Premier, whenever I drive through that back gate at the Princess Alexander Hospital, 
it seems like there's a drastic contrast. Like the back seem very modern because you have the dialysis unit. There's this concrete place that right next to it you have the way the MRI machine is gonna go. But then you have some wood and you have a whole hospital there. Mm-hmm. Like forward thinking. Is there a need for an upgraded facility overall? Oh, definitely. You gotta have a modern, state-of-the-art facility to provide healthcare. And okay. um, right now, uh, where you know fiscal um, constraints mm-hmm. are there, but after Hurricane Irma, given the damage that there was, most of the roof was damaged. Mm-hmm. That was replaced. Um, a lot of the hospital was upgraded. Mm-hmm. Um, maternity ward, Good. the uh, wards themselves. The lab space, the A and E or emergency room, mm-hmm. and so so a lot has been put into it, and so it's now it's fit for purpose at this time. Mm-hmm. But as we move along, the facilities um, and we got the operating room was also upgraded, but we have to have a state of the art facility. Right. It's necessary for our people as our population grows, as um, you know, access to better medical care is necessary. Right. And you think about it, we send a lot of patients overseas for treatment. Yes. At some point, we have to look into um, keeping those here, having the services provided here. So one of the things that we've also put into our budget um, calls for this coming year is specialty care, so okay. having specialists. And um, we are looking into, um, you know, providing the funding for that. So, you know, a lot of people are concerned, you know, that the GST is, um, you know, it's a burden to the people. But the goals of the goods and service tax is that we have a predictable revenue stream. Uh So we know what we can get. So we can do things like health care for those 70 years and older that Uh we can provide that. Um, that we can consider uh, specialty care because right. then we know what's going to be coming in. Right. And so far, I know you'll probably get into it later, but the GST, um, you know, it's meeting its, the target that we had. Right. So we were looking at about $29 million for this year. It's, it has to make about $80 million, um, over a year. Mm-hmm. But given when we started the 1st of July, right now um, it's raised about $28 million. Okay. Um, uh, by November. So so we're looking at that we'll meet the target. But that money, it's not to pay civil servant salaries. It's right. not to, um, you know, fill anybody's pockets. It's to do the things that are essential. Yes. And one of the essential things is to provide health care and to provide access and affordable health care to the people of Angola. Excellent. That was a mouthful. <laughs> 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 and I think you, you've touched on quite a number of areas that I think I want to go and dig a little deeper on. So let's start with, you know, we speak about the funding that exists um, through the GST and what is predictable and what you hope to be able to do with the funds that are coming from that, and one of which being providing free health care for the elderly. And I know we spoke about that the last time you were here. Correct. How close are you to seeing that become a reality? When can elders expect that they can get free health care? And I know, but just to back up a bit and to refresh your memory, I think the last time you were here, we spoke about whether or not you'd have to do it in a phased approach or whether you can go ahead and do it. So whether it means that it is um, free medication first and then expand into other areas. Uh, what, what is that looking like now? Uh, actually looking better than we thought. Um, we got an actuary, mm-hmm. same actuary that did the Social Security uh, scheme, who did the uh, Public mm-hmm. Service Pension right. Fund uh, mm-hmm. actuarial studies, looked at the information, and based on the, the preliminary report, we haven't got the final yet, but based on the preliminaries that they have submitted, it looks like we should be able to do what we want in terms of um, the medicines, diagnostics, and hospital uh, services at once, so all at once. Okay. Um, and, and that is uh, what we want to do. In terms of secondary and tertiary care, you know, if they have to go overseas, uh, we haven't had those numbers 
uh, put in yet to determine what that will cost. Okay. Uh, okay. But the plan is that we'd like to do this by the beginning of 2023. Now, it may drift off a little bit by a month or so because we have to make sure we get the final report. We have to make sure that we get the, it. Um, it's already in the medium-term economic and fiscal plan, right. which mm-hmm. has to go to the U.K. for them to approve it, then in the budget. Right. So, you know, we're still waiting on those processes to occur. Uh, so it may be off by a month or two at the most, but I can tell you that it's um, in 2023, it's going to come. And it's certainly, um, that's not soon enough. We wanted to do this from day one when we yes. came in, but we were told that Captain we could man. not advance unfunded uh, policies. Yes. And, and, and we couldn't at that time afford to, uh, to do it because yeah. based on the cost. But now we know that um, we can do it. And we'll get it done. So, on that, before we even go into, again, one of the <laughs> other things. <laughs> so, sorry. She's digging today. We're past our cars. I forgot to let everybody know. This is Geneva Hodges' show. This has nothing to do with me. I'm just part of the cast. I just do what she tells me. She asked for the premiere to be here. And ta-da! He's <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> so, <laughs> when, when, when we speak about medication for the elderly, and we're looking mm-hmm. forward to this in the first quarter of 2023, right. we know that there has been... Um, a consistent cry from a lot of persons that medication on the island and at the pharmacy, the government, uh, well, the health authorities pharmacy, let's mm-hmm. go there, the health authorities pharmacy, they're a lot of times out of medication. So persons are having to go to private pharmacies um, to fill those prescriptions. How does that Free healthcare, free medication for elderly. How does that play into if I if I'm a person over seventy? Uh, what's what is the age? Are you looking yeah, at 70, seventy and older? And older. Yes. So I'm a person over seventy. I have a prescription for some medication, um, and the hospital does not have this medication. I have to fill it at one of the private ones. Will I be reimbursed? Will I be given a voucher for this? Or is it that the funds are only looking at covering medication and healthcare under the Health Authority of Anguilla? And then we'll speak a little bit more about what that, <laughs> <laughs> what that structure is also going to look like. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that, that would be cleaner, easier to manage, easier to understand the cost. Mm-hmm. But just like it is right now for persons who have, the, say, like a medical card. Um, mm-hmm. If they go to the um, health authority pharmacy and the medication is not there, they get it at a private pharmacy. They, that's usually paid for also. Right now by social development, right. the goal would be that that's, that's covered. Because the goal is that we don't want to have someone who's 70 or older passing up on the medication because they couldn't get it at the hospital pharmacy. And so um, one of the things that we want to make sure uh, that we discussed at the OECS PPS meeting that I was at um, last week is that if there are certain medications that say Anguilla as one of the member states um, uses, that we can also get the PPS to procure that specifically for Anguilla. Usually the PPS is pooled pharmaceuticals. All the, um, the, the nine, region, uh, nine member states um, pay into it. But um, if we, because right now we're doing that anyway, we have to get special medications from certain places other than the PPS because um, only Anguilla... And mm, doctors are prescribing and per se. We can also now use the PPS to do that. So, so we would have more access. The other thing that we want to do is to make sure that we're paying up our bill to the OECS PPS because one of the things that slows down access to the medication is if there's a bill, we haven't paid it, then that delays the, mm. the um, getting the medication or the order is uh, stopped. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and then the other issues of back orders, If we, they're also going to a digital platform. So if we know we use X amount of medication in a month, then we can pre-order the amount that we need mm-hmm. rather than running out. Okay. And the other issue is, you know, what 
seems to come up sometimes is expired medication. Mm. We want to make sure we get it. If we order in advance, then we get it uh, so we're not um, you having delays uh-huh. in, the, in the medication coming. Um, now we have shipping issues, you know, supply issues. Uh-huh. But if we know well in advance, we get that medication so we know that we have enough lead time where they don't expire while they're housed with us, that we paid up our bills so we get our orders in time. And so that's the PPS, I think, is really doing a good job now of trying to modernize the whole system. Okay. okay, and just for those who may be unaware, and you know, the the first episode that we did with you was very enlightening when mm-hmm. we learned that yes, our medication is bought in bulk That's right. um, with the other member states of the OECS. Correct. PPS stands for the Pool Procurement um, System. Okay. Uh, before it was the Pool Pharmaceutical Service. Yeah. Okay. But okay. now be, it's now becomes. Uh-huh. Uh, pool procurement because we also now going to procuring lab supplies, reagents, mm-hmm. and lab equipment. Okay, yeah. so nice. nice. So mm-hmm. so we don't necessarily order medication individually. Anguilla, the Health Authority of Anguilla, we don't necessarily go out and say, "Oh well, I need to get ibuprofen." And I just go out and I purchase that. That comes through the system of the OECS. Yes. You order in bulk and then we get... Unless there's specific medications that we need that may be brand name Mm -hmm. or that the, you know, that we need specifically for Anguillian patients. Mm -hmm. Um, If you could think about like dialysis patients. Okay. They may need specific types of medication. Mm -hmm. Then health authority uh, might buy those from a different mm-hmm. supplier because they need them quicker or they okay. um, are specific. Okay. But now what we can do is uh, for economies of scale, we can, you know, get the PPS to uh, to order them for us because okay. they're going to get a lower rate right. because of the, uh, yes. the buy it bulk. Yes. And and, and, and the, this PPS, where, where would the... Supplies and medications be because they just they are, if they are in bulk they come to one place and then they're yes. disseminated. So where yeah, so this? they usually come to Saint Lucia. Okay, and uh, and 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 they are very specific about you know you worry about um, whether the me- medications are efficacious if they are fake those uh-huh. types of things. They have a very strict um, system of testing. They use coffer, and uh-huh. you know in Trinidad to do some testing. They also um, have another means of testing to make sure the drugs are uh, safe, that they're efficacious, and they're real, even though some of them you know, come from India, um, Israel, and uh-huh. elsewhere. And there are um, you know, a few pharmacy, pharmacy manufacturers that they have found that the drugs do not meet the, um, the right criteria, and so they basically blacklist those. Okay, nice. So, so, yeah. so that risk is absorbed. Oh, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely, and they are very strict about following those uh, protocols. And if there's any question at all, they do the evaluation of the medication, and then they will uh, basically, uh, you know, not get uh, from that manufacturer anymore. That's that's mm-hmm. awesome. I often I often stress this, and I think this is a good point for me to stress it again. Government isn't just making ad hoc decisions. There's Guidelines, policies, and procedures that, that has to be that has to be followed. Just want to double back real quickly because I don't know if you 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 realize. Did you get permission to ask that question? I, I, that, that, can I have some permission? <laughs> <laughs> Go right ahead. I, I'm, I'm trying to keep my question at the top of my mind. And, you know, sometimes we we align, and, and you may very well just ask the same question. No, I, I don't think I ask the same question. I just wanted to remind the premier that this is actually if you. Look Look straight into the camera. Yes. It goes straight to the premier office. That's the wish hole right oh, that's there. The portal. Yes. That's the portal there. And yeah. whatever you say in there, the premier hears it on the other end. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so this does yes. not work for the premier. I'm, I'm not sure you'll find out though. So just thinking based on everything that you've just said, I just have this vision in my head of Angola having state-of-the-art hospital. I think medical tourism is something that we can tap into. Yes. Um, And on a number of different fronts. I I met a guy when I used to be affiliated with one of the charter boats that brought his dad to Anguilla every week for dialysis because it was cheaper. 
Yes. He could actually get an appointment. And he said his father enjoyed getting a little salty to come on the board, have his dialysis, and then go back home. I think there's a need for specialty services and specialty care, like you said, but I think that Angola can open up so much more to the Caribbean, to the U.S., and everywhere else. Um, I know Dr. Ola from E.K. Banks Devonish. She she spoke into that little wish hole. Yes. Did you get it? <laughs> and, and she has. We we spoke about a facility, a mental health care facility. You know? Yes. I see the need for these things. Do you think where the the current site is? we can have a state-of-the-art hospital facility there? Or would this be some place that we have to look at government, either use some land that it has, acquire and build a facility, and then that probably be transformed into like a specialist area, have your dialysis there, have your MRI stuff there, that type of thing where the current site is. This is just me thinking. I, about I think it has to be a different site. Okay. And, 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 you know, the reason why I say that is, you had the cottage hospital. Right. It outlived its, its usefulness because um, it was constrained by space and ability to expand. Right. Similarly, in that area, uh, that would be the case. You got the school yeah. uh, campus be there. You got other facilities close by. Yeah. And you got Aurelia Kelly on yes. the other side of it. And you got Pastor Philip Judge on the other side. So it, that would be the, It has to be another, especially if you're going to medical tourism. Yeah. And the reason for that is the facility has to attract, um, you know, persons from the outside. Right. State-of-the-art facility, it has to be set up like that. One of the things that I also envisioned was that around that facility, you would have luxury villas. Right. And those luxury villas would be provided... Uh, would do uh, whether it's post-op recovery care, right. mm-hmm. whether it would be a recuperation villas. I mean, that's what I envision. Lovely. So, so you would have, um, and I would like for Anguillians to own those, right. and so persons could get treated in the uh, medical facility, and then they go right across the the, right. the parking lot, and they now have nurses there that can take care of their. You know, if they were post-op, take care of that. If they were cancer patients, uh, taking care of them during their chemotherapy or radiation therapy. Uh, If they're dialysis patients, then, you know, they're hooked up to the machine. And they may even be doing peritoneal dialysis where you don't have to be at the machine. You just have your um, bags transferring the, um, the, the dialysate. And mm-hmm. so, so these are things that I envision we can do, that I have said can happen, and we have to have the specialists here that can do that. And I don't think that we need to have to send our patients to Panama, Colombia, Cayman, Trinidad for those services. If we have the facility here with the equipment here, we have the doctors here. I mean, who wouldn't want to come to Anguilla, um, you know, if that is available? Yeah. And, and so one of the things that I have um, suggested which right now there's a policy, health authority policy doesn't allow, is the doctors that work for the health authority are not allowed to have private practices. Mm -hmm. I feel that it is necessary that if you have, um, you know, doctors working for the public service, it cuts down on what we have to pay them if they can have a private practice side because that way you can supplement the income, you can attract people here, then you can get more than one doctor of the same specialty because right now one of the things we have problems with with surgeons and keeping them, they don't want to be on call 365 days a year 24-7. And so you need to have another one that they can share call with. And that's one of the things we've done now with our budget is that we've also budgeted for a second general surgeon. I love it. Because over the past um, eight years, we have keep rotating general surgeons who last a year or two years. Nobody stays for that long term anymore. Yeah, because I, I, I just can't imagine just having to be on call. 365 like 24/7 24/7 yeah. anything yes. can happen like that's, that's right you burn out mm-hmm. you know it, it it's really it, it's difficult to do that yes. okay. so okay one more one more no we don't put up we have to stick up in just because we, 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 we're right here on the topic and but, you but s- aren't we at gender equality <laughs> now we're, we're, 
<laughs> social justice and, <laughs> and, and, and gender equity. And as I am the sole person in here, I have to remember that I have to speak up a little bit more. For otherwise, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, my voice may be drowned up. So, social justice. <laughs> but while we're on the topic of having to send persons... Um, to Trinidad, to Colombia, to Cayman, mm-hmm. Panama, or wherever, wherever it is. Yes. I know when we spoke earlier in the year, you said that we had already exceeded our overseas medical treatment budget, yes. I think, from in March of this year. That's correct. Where are we now? So we exceeded it in March. Mm-hmm. Where are we? We are now at the end of the year, November. What are our numbers looking like for overseas medical treatment? Um, over $2 million, and what we have to do is we have to take money from elsewhere. Okay. And, 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 and that happens every year, but this year it seems even more so that, um, that we are, you know, persons who get sick and we can't treat them here, they go to the hospital, and then, you know, you have to do social development and we have to find the money. So so we have to, uh, you know, move it around to um, to take it. Because we're not going to let somebody sit here and die. Mm-hmm. Uh, we give them that opportunity uh, to get treated and to come back to us. And uh, and, and, and that's, that's what the family members um, want and need. Mm-hmm. And that's what we as a society have to cater for. But that takes mm-hmm. money out of another place where it would be considered to be necessary also. Yeah. So then we have to make cuts here to do to do that. So, yeah. And even it doesn't matter how much we uh, budget for, for medical treatment overseas. We're going to exceed it every year without fail. Okay. Oh. So the question is, is there a provision for persons, you know, they go overseas, they get treatment, hopefully they come back. And they're, again, contributing members of the society. Is there a way, a provision for them to help to pay back some of that bill? Is that something that is done? Yes, it is. Um, usually they or their family member signs that they would uh, pay back, uh, you know, some kind of a payment plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not always honored, and I must say that. And, you know, and it would be good because... You know, if you can uh, pay back some or all of it, it then helps the next person, the next person. Uh, But most of the time, you know, it's like, um, you know, the virgins who, you know, they... They would, or the lepers, mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact phrases mm-hmm. and terminology, but, but you know, you get taken care of and then you walk away. That's yeah. not the way to do it. It should be where you then, if you can, you pay mm-hmm. back right. so that you can help the next person that comes along. And, and something. Yes. Just yes. needs to be something. I mean, I think so. $25 a month, something to show that, you know, I may not be in a position to give more than. Right, but so, you appreciate what was done yes. for you by the country, you know. Yeah. How how far does that that document that is signed? How far is that taken? If persons are not honoring that, in terms of what is the scope that you have to be able to see? Can you see? You know, I, I know government doesn't know. want to be harsh. <laughs> government doesn't want I know, to be. I know where you're going with that. But, <laughs> but if you think about it, it the same the same thing applies in in persons who get scholarships from government. They go overseas and and some stay out because and they don't come back even though they signed that they a bond that they would return. Mm-hmm. You know, so so it's and and government doesn't go after. It because, I mean, government has the right. Mm-hmm. To pursue these things in the legal system, but it's difficult, um, you know, to do that. Yes. And so I don't want to encourage people to just come to government, um, you know, get and go and not pay back. But I think it should be part of your um, duty. Uh, yes, a civic duty. Just your conscience should say, mm-hmm. you know, you were helped in your time of need. Uh, you know, now it may come a point. When government has uh, two or three people sitting in a hospital and can't find the funds to get them all taken care of, then what do you do? You have a a triage system or you have a system where you pull straws. I mean, this is the types of things that I think we need to 
But uh, I mean, we will do our best, of course, to try to help everybody. Wow. But sometimes you can't. I mean, look at our um, administering power right now. Yeah. I just saw this weekend where they're saying that they're going to cut um, their spending by 50 to 60 billion dollars yeah. coming up. But, you but, know, these are who we rely on when we mm-hmm. get into trouble to help mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And people are concerned when we try to help ourselves that we shouldn't. I mean, this is the thing. You can't always go hat in hand because at some point you're going to get turned back empty. And I think that that, that turning back started to happen. It was a little bit subtle, but it was happening. It was happening because... And it is happening because that's the reality of things because they have a lot dealing with. I mean, mm-hmm. COVID yes. spared no one. That's the correct. global financial crisis spared no one. The rising fuel costs exactly. spares no one. Inflation spares no That's one. Right. So now when we are making efforts to pay our way, yeah. I actually, and, and persons can take this however they please, but I actually feel proud that when I go in the shop now, I don't even check my receipt. I know that I have to pay GST, but I know where it's going. You're talking about free health care for the seniors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, we're seeing a number of things happening that couldn't be funded because when you're going hand in hand, how are you going to pay for this? Exactly. Because at the same time, it would be prudence on our administering power to say, hey, we got to hold mm-hmm. some for us too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because... The taxpayers of the UK have been doing this forever. Anyway, we can go talk. We can talk repatriations. We can talk this, that. We're still a colony. We could say whatever we want. But I don't see those folks from the, the UK coming here to work. Right. But the Anglicans are free to go. Sign up for national health insurance. See a doctor as they please. Pay the taxes there without any regard. Live. And then it's nothing. And now we have to pay our way here. And we still hear from time to time a little bit of noise. Say all of that to say, national health insurance in Angola, is that something that will be a reality? Can it, it work? It will. It can work. And in fact, we have started um, those consultations. Okay. Um, yes, we have um, had Dr. Kester Ned, who has um, in, been involved with this throughout the Caribbean, Um, was here discussing national health insurance. Remember, there was a um, a pilot study that was done in 2014 to 2015 that was funded by Social Security um, under the chairmanship of um, Alkin Rogers. Uh Um, Dr. Lanny Hobson um, was leading that uh, program, and the numbers were actually looking good. Uh, the money that was uh, put into the program, it showed that this was doable. Right. But then um, after the election of 2015, it was uh, terminated. Mm. Uh, but now uh, we feel that it is possible. We have met with the, insur- the private insurers here in Anguilla. We have met with different groups uh, to discuss it. And it's just a matter of, uh, with the help of experts, finding the best way to integrate it into the system. Because at some point, we feel it's necessary that everybody should be covered with that national health insurance. That's what I'm and that about. when they go to the doctor or they go to the facility, the clinic, or they go to the hospital, they're okay. not worrying that they got to come up with the money up front. Right. Or <coughs> they just know that... Um, you know they've paid into the into the system if they have a job and um, just like now they're paying uh, you know premiums, mm-hmm. um, or those who are vulnerable that they are covered by the system the young and the very old, yes. and, and and therefore it, you can go and get your care done mm-hmm. and know that nobody is um, you know sending you a bill, uh, you know or that you have to pay up front before right. you can get served. And so that's what it, that's what it takes. A, a caring administration, that's what you want to do. You want to take care of your people. Now that no, you said it, can I one more? Okay. Yes, I got two back to back. So on the previous episode, we had Miss, uh, Mrs. Monifa Brooks-Combs from the Public Service Pension Fund. And she was talking about insurance to a certain extent. And she was talking about, we, we, we really came to, to grips with the fact that there are a lot of unprotected, unpensioned persons out there in our community. Correct. The construction workers, mm-hmm. 
you have your <coughs> unestablished 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 workers within yes. government within that, government that too right, right. you have the hospitality industry right and if we go back a little further we remember from the conversation that we had with the minimum wage committee mr Doctor Glenville, what that, that oh. doctor, Mr. Glenville Hodge? Hodge yes, <laughs> yes, he spoke about workers' camp, um, mm-hmm. construction, yes. all these things that seem to be kind of like missing. Will the umbrella of something like national health insurance protect these folks that right now have nothing? Um, it is possible, and as we expand it, I mean, the initial thing is to get health care right. uh, covered, but you can extend that to workmen's compensation, right. but that could also be done uh, through pension funds. Right. Uh, Social Security could also take that as long for unemployment insurance right. because that is one of the uh, proposal, the recommendations from the actuary right now okay. is that since Social Security was asked to help in 2017, that was basically, um, you know, one that was a non-contributory because nobody had contributed mm. a, a percentage of the um, income to unemployment insurance, but that was covered. Right. During COVID, the first three months, Social Security covered um, the persons that qualified, had had 52, uh, you know, paid weeks. They recommend that there should be a percentage that goes in for unemployment insurance. Well, with that, you can also do workman's comp insurance. I mean, right now you have sickness benefits. So if somebody um, is sick, they can get paid. But there's nothing the workman's comp um, included in Social Security right now. Uh, But that is necessary because we have, uh, you know, construction workers. We have um, others who... Or they do jobs that are dangerous. That's People exactly who climb, thing climb that we touched you on. climb yeah. angled pole, yeah. mm-hmm. you fall, um, you get um, electrocuted. Yeah. I mean, these are things that you know you're going to be out for a while longer yeah. than sickness benefit is going to cover. That's and true. so, so these are definitely as we modernize our society, right. as we get the vision of protecting our people. Right. Then all of these, um, you know, benefits will have to be added in as we go along. And if you see that in developed countries, yes. and so that's where we want to take Anguilla. Anguilla is small, so it's going to seem like it's more of a burden to cover. But we have a very high-skilled, intelligent population that we need to take care of them as we go along. Right. And um, certainly as we get to renewable energy, uh, you know, there are going to be issues that come up. Um, there that we need to cater for as you go along in terms of it's going to be high-skilled, high-paying jobs, uh-huh. and you got to make sure also that you protect them. It's yeah. like, you know, you you know when your Ferrari is out there, you got a higher-skilled mechanic than uh-huh. me with my little, uh, you know, Daihatsu, uh, okay. you know. So let me, let me do this thing that I often have to do on this show. In case you're wondering, I do not want a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> Government has not bought me a Ferrari. <laughs> How else will they spend that? <laughs> we we don't have to clear things out. Oh, I see. That. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, see. then we'll end up on on air uh, someplace else. Sound bites. Sound bites. Oh, I see. That, that yeah. Oh, the oh, government. Oh, you talking? Would you imagine <laughs> them bought the PR of Ferrari? Oh, you're, you're, talk, you're talking about Monday morning. Uh, maybe <laughs> Monday morning quarterback. <laughs> Monday breakfast club. Yeah, all that stuff. We have to clear that up before the song. Okay, I got you. I got you. But I totally, I totally, I totally understand that, Premier. I agree with you. I'm loving what I'm hearing because from the outside looking in, folks would think, boy, no, nothing is happening. But I get the impression that there's a lot of cleanup that has been happening in health. Is that the case? It's like most days I feel like a sanitation worker. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I just want and, and I, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but uh-huh. the thing about it is when we came in, yes, what we found and what we've had to deal with and we have to fix since we came in 
Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there that, that you can call it a four-letter word, but there's a lot there that we have to take care of. Yes. And, 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 and it takes a lot of energy to do that. Um, so we've got the attorney general chambers, you know, the drafting um, young ladies in there are just working hard mm-hmm. for us to, to put in place the structures that are necessary. I just want both of you to know here that, you know, people talk when they say, oh, you know, um, you know, this administration doesn't talk independence and stuff like that. But there's no way you can go independent if you don't have the, the, the structure in place, you have the, the framework in place so that you can function as an independent um, country. The people are not ready for that, and that is the fault of governments. Yes. We should have been doing this from 56 years ago um, after the revolution. We should have made that leap to yes. where we can have independent-minded people wanting to be independent, but taking care of each other. Because a lot of decisions have been made in previous administrations that has put us in the position we were in where we're financially unstable, where we, um, you know, just skimmed the surface. I remember Mm -hmm. the the first day, um, June the 30th of 2020, when I went to the governor's office, Uh and I was sworn in. Yes. You know, so I know that there's some uh, persons who said they don't know, but I was sworn in as the premier of Anguilla because I couldn't Season get the information that that I was given unless I was sworn in, and I had this obligation to the people. And when um, Governor Tim Foy uh, showed me the information, I said, "But Governor." We've just been skimming the surface for many years, and most of the time it's underwater. Mm. He said that's exactly what the people of Angola don't get is that in terms of, you know, you go up, you go down, but most of the time because of decisions, um, some external shocks, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it decisions made by previous administrations have kept us underwater. And that is one of the things that I said. I have an obligation to the people of Anguilla to make sure that we get to a point where we're financially stable and that our economy has the ability to progress in an upward trajectory. It doesn't have to be straight up like a rocket, but it has to be that incrementally we keep going up and up. Because that's the only way that we can pass on this country to the future generation and say that we did our best. And I want to be able to say, to sleep at night or when I'm out of office to say that I did my best for the people of Anguilla that I love and care for. Appreciate that. Go ahead. I have refrained. Um, Why? Just in general, because Mm. one of the things and one of my goals with Progress Report is to ensure that we understand in totality how government works. And, you know, we we say this all the time, that government is the entire institution. It is more than just the elected persons. Mm -hmm. And I I will tell you, I'm I'm listening, and there are questions that are on the tip of my tongue that I'm trying to find a balance to ensure that we don't get and go down a partisan political Mm -hmm. um, road. But it would be remiss of me to not ask because if we're if we're gonna say that in the past these things happen, you know, we, we operated on a boom bust type um, economy right. where a lot of times we were in more bust than boom. Mm-hmm. And you're now telling me that the policies, the legislation that your administration is putting into being, how do you ensure the longevity? Of such, so that we don't regress. Should administration change? How how do we ensure that these things go beyond the administration? And I really don't mean to sound like I'm preaching, and I'm just gonna put it out there. It's a thing that has bothered me the most for the longest while. Is the fact that we don't have a national development plan. What? How do you see? a national development plan playing into ensuring that these policies and legislation um, ensure the long-term, the longevity 
of all for financial um, stability and where are we in terms of institute and such? And, and that's an excellent question. And, and that's what we try to, you know, put the guardrails in place so that, the, you know, an administration, different administration can just come in and say, okay, we're going to change all the policies that were done in the previous administration and go to Exco and get approval and go to the House, get, get it passed, and then assent it to, by the um, administering power. There's no way you can really guard against that fully. However, it's funny that you just brought up about a national development plan because I just had this discussion last week <coughs> in the Ministry of Finance. And um, one of the things is we need to find, we were told, Ministry of Economic Development, actually, and let me correct that because they're two different ministries. I'm just the minister for both. Um, and I was told that um, this was put out in the department and the ministry, and we don't have the local capacity to do a national development plan for that long term. I think it should be 50 years, even if it's short. So what we are looking at is to get outside consultants to help us with developing and devising that plan for Anguilla. Um, and we've thought about United Nations um, agencies and different agencies, UK agencies, uh, regional agencies that can help with it. And we're looking at what the funding, what it will cost to fund that. So it's so timely that you brought that up when we just had this discussion last week that we have to have a national development plan. And this has been proposed for years. I mean, back in 2010 when uh, Mr. Hughes became chief minister, it was proposed we should get a national development plan. We've never gotten to that point where you get it down on paper and then you get it to Exco, get it to the house, and now it becomes your blueprint it's like a plan for a house. Now you yeah. can't change it. Yeah. That's what we need to do. Yeah. And you, you rightfully said that because once you put that in place, then, you know, we have to follow that strategically to get to it. And in that national development plan has to be independence for Angola. Yeah. 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 Now, I, <laughs> it, it has been, you know, anyone listening... Yeah, yeah, no, let's, just, let's just call the elephant in the room. Anyone listening knows of my political past. You have a political past. I do. <laughs> you don't speak about it, but yes. <laughs> you know. But it, 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 it's one of those things that I felt very strongly about. You guys are made for each other. <laughs> it, it's one of the things that I felt very strongly about. And, and I think it came to the fore for me when I did a course with UE and one of my lecturers, he was from the CDB. Yes. And he said to me, he said he's no longer with the CDB. Um, I think he's returned home. But he said one of the things that he would really like to see is that Angola has a national development plan. And so I know at the time that he was there, this was a few years ago, that he was saying, you know, he's certain the CDB would be willing to offer assistance. So if you've not gone there and maybe that's that's where you you um, start to look at. Mm -hmm. Mr. Hope, I, I don't know if you ever tune in, but <laughs> if you are, hi. <laughs> hi, Mr. Hope. I like the last name. Yeah. Yes. Hope is necessary. But it's funny that it's funny that you would say that because actually I'm I, I wouldn't know that they're listening. We have folks from the ECCB that actually listen to the show. We've gotten some feedback from them as well. So it's it, it, it's it's interesting to note. I don't know if it's happening to you as yet, Glenn Eva. Oh, I don't know. It's not happening to you. Like I walk <laughs> in the gas station and people approach me. I'm listening to you guys and I like this episode. You should do this, you should do that next. And I'm like, it's Glenn Eva showing up, but I'll tell you, I'll take it back to that. Um, but, but people are listening. <clears throat> There's, I don't want to sound laughter and call it an enlightening happening, but people are coming to the knowledge of how government actually functions and what's possible. Which and means that we're doing our job. I think, I think we're doing our job. I think we're getting there. I think it's important because for a long time, ignorance is bliss. And we think that, that governance is 
going to the pools and then just something happened then we go back to the pools no that's that's not it there's a lot that happens in between yeah every five that's right every five years so much happens every five years you have five different graduating classes mm-hmm. that's entering the workforce <laughs> are looking on to tertiary mm-hmm. education you have five different classes entering the preschool and primary school system. Right. Like there's consistent growth and movement. Yes. And, and, and a lot of people need to understand when, you, when you're speaking economy, these are the tenants of it that just keeps walking like an engine. The pistons of the engine is just <laughs> going right. up and down. But that's how we have the movement. And if we're not careful to consider these in a lot of our deliberations and actions, then we would have inevitably screwed generations to come. Yeah. And when you when you say that premier, this is this is what, what what came to mind because I I remember a conversation just today that that you know a young man in his twenties like had no knowledge of the things that happened before and like what well, you can't change it and, and you have to break it down That's for him right. and tell him like listen okay this has been the case. Not because you see government trying to communicate. Now, have you heard about this stuff before? And he said, no. I said, why? And he couldn't answer. Mm-hmm. But there's a platform now yes. where everybody can come. And we even extended invitation to the members of the opposition. Most recently at, at um, Mr. Kyle Hodges' opening of his new facility in Island Harbor. He yes. asked me about it again. I said, of course you're, you're invited to come. He tell me he'll think about it. He'll make some time. I guess he's a little bit busy now with the lunch. But it's not just for the Minister of Government. It's not just for the elected. Parsons have been reaching out to us now and wanting to be on show from the different departments because they see it's a growing platform. And we want to continue that. Yes. We definitely want to continue that. And I thank you, uh, Premier, for giving the support from the ministry to get this up and running, to get this going, because it was very instrumental in, in getting us mobilized, and I know we have some support going forward. Saying all that to say, back to health, right? Because we haven't gone out from health as yet. We have not. So here's, here's what I'll do for you. Like, you, you know, like the, the, talk show, the talk show host, uh-huh. you know, here's what I'll do for you. Uh-huh. We're going to wrap up on health, uh-huh. and for our listening audiences, we're not going to just leave it drop. We're going to come back for a part two. Okay. And that's where we'll touch on finance and economic development. Because there is... I'll let you finish with help. Uh-huh. Because there is something that you mentioned that I really want to bring you back up on. Okay. And it has to do with your receipt at the grocery store. And I'm saying that so that our listeners know that I'm not just going to let that one slide. Okay. So let's not, go. Not, not <laughs> a problem. In other words, we'll get into the GST and all that stuff mm-hmm. in a bit. But while yes. we are still here on health... Um, COVID It's not gone No We've had 13 cases now Well we reached 27 27 recently In, in one One group Actually yes. So that was an outbreak That oh. was an outbreak uh, Yeah 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 yeah. But But it's down to 13, 13 that are positive yeah. positive mm-hmm. And With the onset of that We're going into The cold and flu season Yes The Busiest part of our, our tourism season, the right. coldest part of the year. We wettest. have the the wettest part of the year because November <laughs> yes. been one for the records, mm-hmm. yes. and then you have RS RSV RSV. Yep. So we have all these respiratory concerns and all these things that we've been battling with and dealing with. You've said something, Premier, that every time I talk to a good friend of mine, Mister Roger Smith, he listens to the show every last episode, right? <laughs> He said, Ivan, you don't understand how powerful that statement from the Premier was. And he always reminds me of when you said we have to develop an appetite for risk. He yes. always reminds me of that. I think we've not only developed the appetite for risk in terms of opening our economy and stuff and managing what has been thrown at us. Let's, let's be honest. Collectively, Angola has managed and fared well, if we're being honest. Right. It was tough. Yeah, and, oh, we lost, and we lost 12 people through COVID. We lost 12 through COVID. Yeah, it was yeah. tough. Yeah. Yes, so. we've, we've lost a few more to other things, accidents yes. and otherwise that That's could be right. avoided. That's right. Um, some just sickness, some had... It's, it's been tough yes. mentally for everyone 
in Angola. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take anyone out of this bunch. But for some reason, I feel this glimmer of hope. It feels like I, I, I am looking forward to 2023 and the end of the year with a bit of excitement. Maybe I'll get a, 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 a reservation it, at... at, at <laughs> I got there. I got. You, you I got, 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 to I got there. <laughs> we so, baked for that, but so we got there. <laughs> I haven't got. I don't know if you had a chance to eat at this famous restaurant when you come around the corner in West End as yet. Not yet. No, <laughs> not yet. I, I couldn't get in. I can't get in that <laughs> premiere. Yet. But some. I'm pointing no elbows, but somebody's bragging that she got in. Maybe well, the family connections. Related. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave that. Alone. A former employee begged for a little speech. So I'll leave it at that. Ah, that's there right. you go. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> but back to what I'm saying, I'm I'm, yes. I'm feeling this sense of hope. Yes, is, is that transferable? Do you feel that? Like with all that we've been through, I'm not looking back anymore. No, no, no. can't look back. And, and just think about it. Uh, you know, we came through a lot, as you said. Uh, COVID was right there upon us. The economy was closed. People were not working. Yeah. Uh, you know, people went out and took the vaccine yeah. so that uh, we'd have a way that we could protect ourselves and protect each other. Right. That allowed us to open up the country some and let uh, visitors in mm-hmm. uh, because that's, you know, 85% of our economy is tourism. And right. that, that helped. People could go to restaurants. They could go on tours. They could go to the beach. They could come to the hotels, and and, uh, and then over time, they were able to interact with us. Right. Uh, and, and, and so so that developing that appetite for risk is one, you know, as a doctor, mm-hmm. we have to have that. Because we're like a firefighter. You have to throw yourself right in the middle of the fray to save people. Right. And that's what we did. You know, the, the CMO, the doctors and nurses at the hospital, um, you know, the uh, frontline workers, yes. uh, immigration customs, they didn't shy away and say, I'm not going to work because somebody might come in off the plane or the boat and get right. me sick. They went out. Hospitality workers, those at the front desk, those working as housekeepers, those, um, you know, the were there. And the rest, everybody, you know, threw in their lot and said, for this country, I'm going to make that sacrifice. So that's why there's hope to me, because Angolians didn't shy away. Yes. They jumped right in. Yes. They did what they had to do. They had the, um, the confidence that this administration, yes. along with the, um, the you know, healthcare workers, Ministry of Health, um, would make the right decisions to protect them. Yes. And that's what you have to do as a people. Yes. So you might... Listen to people, you know, talk about uh, you're incompetent, you're ignorant, um, you're a dummy, yeah. and all of that stuff. But when the majority of the people say, I'm going to follow you because I know that you have our best interests at heart, that's what has saved this country and brought it through many um, different trials and tribulations. Yeah. Back when they were saying, you know, the British said, we're going to move you to Demarara because Anguilla was a barren land and you wouldn't survive here. The people said we'd rather stay here and die than to go. Yes. Right? That took a, a, a sense of will, of determination, that they want this rock as their home yeah. to be where they want to live to grow up, to raise families, to go and come back. Yeah. Sometimes that's yeah. necessary. To bring that skill that is necessary to keep the people on the right track. So, you're correct. I have hope yes. that Anguilla will not only survive but will thrive. Mm-hmm. And that the people of Anguilla um, will look back one day and say that uh, you know, just like our forebears in 1967 who got us through um, what was considered then to be the toughest of times, uh-huh. that in 2020 they made the right decision uh-huh. to get us to this point where we now have an economy that's on going in a positive direction. In 2020, the economy dropped to minus 30%. Just think about that. That's a big drop. 30% drop. In 2009, it was neg- negative 16.7. So almost double um, the decline in the economy that there was in 2010 when uh, Mr. Hubert Hughes came in. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. that we had to deal with. Right. And right now, we're in positive numbers and going in the right direction. Yes. That didn't happen by chance. Yeah. With God's help and guidance yes. and the people of Anguilla, the support that they said, we elected you to do the right thing, to look out for us, to care about our well-being. That's why the Anguilla Progressive Movement was elected to lead the country at the time. Right. And if the people feel that we're doing a good job, no matter what is said out there on the radio or elsewhere, yes. or on social media, in 2025 they'll do the same thing. If they feel we haven't done that and we, were, we have failed in the job that they gave us, then I agree. Yeah. Don't vote for us. On that note... On that note, we are going to switch gears. Like Glenniva said, I mean, this is part one of a two-part show. We had an interesting, very enlightening update from the Honorable Premier Minister of Health, Minister of Finance, Minister of Economic Development, the Honorable Dr. Ellis Lorenzo Webster. And we'll be back with part two because we're going to jump into the Ministry of Economic Development and Finance. We're going to talk some things. So be sure to tune in to the next episode of Progress Report, updates and conversations from the Government Information Service.